So a lot of the empty set on first down. Stafford is picked off. It's T.J. Watt. And he's down to the six-yard line. The Pittsburgh defense strikes. And it's Watt with a big play. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Real Steel, where we talk all things Pittsburgh Steelers. No BS, just The Real Steel. I'm your host, Jeff Schmidt, and joining me is my co-host, Polt. And the Pittsburgh Steelers piece together another win. We are 4-2, and two, and honestly, Polt, I feel pretty good. I feel like we're, we're kind of close. What about you? What do you think? Yeah, uh, this was a win that definitely felt really good. Uh, didn't look like we would, would, would win for some of the game, but we were able to pull it out and... And yeah, I feel good after this week. Saw some saw some things out of the offense, saw some things out of the defense, and yeah, one of the better feeling weeks. Fourth quarter Steelers was much different than first, second, and and maybe even a little bit of third quarter Steelers this game. If yeah. if the fourth quarter Steelers could show up every game, we'd be a great team. We'd be incredible. Yeah. <laughs> we might be six and oh. I don't know about that, but yeah, we we would feel a lot better about our team and not be as as upset most weeks. So yeah. Yeah. If only we could play a full game, that'd be nice. So let's, let's dig into a little bit of those things here. We'll, we'll do a little bit of a game recap and then, you know, we'll go in and preview the Jags game coming up. That's a really big one at home for the Steelers this Sunday. So let's, let's without further ado, kind of jump right in. I, I just have a little bit here to, to go through the game. And I mean, honestly, when I think about it, the storyline here with the way we started the game is is so much of the same. Another really, really slow start for the Steelers, a three and out to begin with a punt. Um, defense held strong. We did ultimately jump on the board first with a field goal, um, and the field goal that the Rams missed um, allowed us to kind of get ahead early. Then we let up a big drive and a big play right before halftime, and and that led to a Rams touchdown. So going into the locker room at halftime, we were down nine to three. Um, but we really capitalized on the first play of the second half. That was the TJ Watt interception. Awesome, awesome play. Um, actually capitalized on that by putting together a, a Kenny Pickett rushing touchdown. So that was cool. Um, we went yeah. up a score to the Rams on their next possession, but ultimately, um, you know, the fourth quarter arrives and it felt like we really hit the gas, put two more touchdowns on the board and, and tied a knot on the game 24, 17. So as I said, you know, the Steelers are four and two. What's crazy to me is we are seven and zero in the last seven seasons off of our buy, um, so just stellar, stellar moves or stellar games we're playing after the buy, and you know we talk about the roller coaster ride that we've been on. We're we're back climbing the hill, you know we're back on our way up. I don't know if we're gonna crash and burn next week or not, but we're definitely riding the hill back up. Yeah, and that stat about the the buys is interesting. Seven and zero on our last seven buys. We talk about how how bad we've been getting out coached and how poor our coaching is, but they seem to be doing something at the buy. I don't know why it takes until the buy every year. Last year, it, it that happened before we went on the run. This year, great start out of it. So so maybe the coaching is doing something. Um, but yeah, I think we're definitely a team on the rise. This was one of the better games we've looked. I think all around, and. Uh, it was good. I mean, I definitely will say at the beginning of the second half, you said you pointed out that the first play was the the TJ Watt interception, which was which was a fantastic play by him. But I definitely had a I had some fears, right? I was I was worried. We got down to the seven yard line. TJ got us. You down. didn't think we were going to score, right? Man, I was like, if he doesn't if he doesn't return this, we're not going to score. And yeah. I thought we were going to settle for a field goal inside the ten. And I was like, I mean, if that happens, might as well call a game now because that, that's that's terrible. But they were able to punch it in. It was very very ugly, but I think that definitely that t- changed the tide of the game. Yeah, me too. I mean, we we have learned to almost kind of poke fun at this at, at this point. It's you know the Rams missed an extra point after their first touchdown, and so it was nine to three. And and we had joked, oh, that's great. You know, six points is is two field goals. Right. Six points for the Steelers is a two score game, not a one score game. Um, and and allows us for at least to us to tie rather than than you know be down if we're able to get two field goals. So I was in the same boat. I I really thought that we weren't gonna you know go ahead and and cross the the goal line there to ultimately score a touchdown but let's talk for a little bit about the fact that we scored three rushing touchdowns in this game one from Kenny one from Najee one from Jalen Warren it's, uh you know no no receiving touchdowns in this game but um I I would say even with 86 
rushing yards on the ground, I think you could argue that we got the run game going a little bit. Definitely. I mean, we definitely got the run game going. And as I predicted, we were able to knock it in first time this season. I think we we had set the record for the longest we had ever gone in a season in Pittsburgh Steelers history without a rushing touchdown. You, you could definitely tell it was a, a point of emphasis. But yeah, we were able to get one with with Kenny sneaking it in, get a nice 13 yard run by Jalen Warren and then and then another hard nosed three yard run by Najee to get in. So all of our main rushers. I know Kenny hasn't ran the ball that much this year, but they all they all saw the end zone. And like you said, I definitely agree. I think part of the the success in the second half was we we actually put some emphasis on running the ball, and uh, it seemed to make a difference being being balanced and, and taking the ball out of Kenny's hand a little bit. It sure did, because if you go back and you look at things for the first half, I feel like I've done this when we talk for pretty much every game so far, but I still feel like there's value in doing it. So I'm, I'm going to go ahead and, and zip through it here. The first half, we had five drives. Four of those drives ended in punts. We had a three-play, three-yard drive for a punt, six-play, 32-yard punt. The third drive was a field goal, um, but then we had another three and out for a punt and then a five play eight yard drive for a punt. So there is, you know, an element of we're getting our act together in the fourth quarter or maybe towards the end of the game sometimes. But it is very frustrating as a fan to watch how stagnant we are in the first quarter and in the first half. I mean, what what really can we do to to improve there? Because you've got to think we come out early on with scripted plays, right? Yeah. And you would think that that you know we're kind of going in hoping to get a leg up early in the game, and we don't. Have we started every single game this season with a three and out? I think we may have. Uh, yeah, I don't think we have any we're first drive close points, to it, and we definitely are getting our butts kicked in the first quarter, uh, point differentially. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It, it seemed like they came out with a different tone in the second half, right? I mean, we saw that the first touchdown drive, the seven-yard drive, we ran the ball two out of three plays. Um, and then the five, the the, the five-play 59-yard touchdown drive, I believe we only ran the ball once, which was the, the Warren touchdown, but they had thrown three straight passes, including the 39-yarder to Deontay Johnson, and then gave it to Warren. Oh, no, they gave it to Warren two straight plays after that which he was able to punch in for the 18 yards to finish out the drive. But then the the, the best drive of the day, the 10-play drive, we actually ran the ball five out of the 10 plays. Um, and that ended with the, the Najee touchdown. So I, I think we we tried to get back. We tried to get into identity, kind of like we did it after the bye last year, um, where, where running the ball becomes an emphasis, and, and, we, and we play off of that. And I think that's really what we need to do starting the beginning of the game. I mean, if you think about those drives where we had first downs in the, in the first half, I think we were running the ball pretty well. I remember seeing some pretty big holes and thinking that we were able to run the ball, and then we just all of a sudden got away from the run, and, and I don't really understand why. And we seem when we just don't try to run the ball ever that we, we struggle. Yeah, it definitely felt like there was a kind of a paradigm shift in terms of the attitude that I think we have coming out of the bye. It, I, I really do parallel it to last year when I was at the Saints game, first game after the bye, and and just kind of seeing what we did in this game against the Rams. It, it felt so similar in terms of what you said and just kind of trying to find an identity in some senses. But there are just some some really confusing times where, you know, it's it's just like, what what are we even doing? You know? There, there are some plays that I feel like are designed pretty well and some are executed pretty well. I think there's also some plays to maybe give Matt Canada some credit that probably are designed pretty well and just don't get executed well yeah. by the Steelers. But I, I think the issue that, that you and I have and that a lot of fans have is that it just seems like the majority of the plays are not drawn up well, regardless of us executing them or not. Like I, I saw yeah. something that that was, you know, we essentially had four receivers, 10 yards in 10 yard increments, all within the hashes. Yeah. Um, like there's just weird things that are happening and I don't really understand why. Yeah. I mean, and we and we've talked about that. The route trees are, are basic and they're basically just go routes or, or comebacks. And and so that makes it tough as well to, to execute. But I mean. I think the play design was better in this game. And, and actually yeah. looking through this in the first half, all those three and outs of the punts we had, a lot of them were due to self-inflicted pain, uh, 
pains. You know, the, the first drive, Kenny had got sacked on second and two. That set us up for third and long. We had to punt. Then on the second drive, we had an offensive holding on second and four. Got us to, to third and nine. Had the punt. Then on the, the third drive, we had a, another offensive holding call. Oh, no, I'm sorry. That second drive was a, yeah, offensive holding. Another offensive holding call that got us to second and 21. We ended up getting the field goal off of that, but it, it set us back. I mean, it's just a lot of these where they're self-inflicted and intentional grounding later in the half. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it's a lot of penalties and a lot of mis-executions that are, are kind of ruining these drives. I'm not saying that they're they're perfectly designed and, and run prior to those, those penalties and issues, but I mean, I, I definitely... I've seen at least a positive step by the offense, I think. Yeah. Self-inflicted is a really good word. Uh, I, I think compound word, right? Maybe yeah. there's a hyphen in there. Um, I, I do want to ask you a question, though, here, because we we talked about this. And I think this is kind of a, a huge disagreement that we have. I think maybe we see each other's sides here. But yeah. um, I really, really struggle with when Kenny rolls out and and kind of scrambles i feel like unnecessarily and i think a lot of the self-infliction comes from kenny doing it himself i think that there are times where he could stand in a little bit longer and the line might hold up and maybe he feels or senses pressure and rather than stepping up or doing I don't know, something else, he feels the need to to spin away and roll out. And and I think Kenny doesn't necessarily have the tendency to throw balls away. Um, and sometimes he tries to make plays that lead to sacks. And I think that that is my biggest gripe with him is that I think he needs another element of development. And, and I think that's kind of what he's really lacking. I think a lot of the faults this is kind of where I'm going with it. I think a lot of the faults that we're seeing on offense still stem from, from Kenny. Yeah. And I mean, everything you're saying is true. He he definitely rolls out to his left and, and bails on pockets way earlier than he should. But I mean, I guess my point of view on that is I think that a lot of that comes from, uh, I guess, two things. It's, it's poor coaching, right? Cause that can be coached out of him. That's a habit that can be broken. I mean, you just need to beat that into his head and in, in practice. Like, Hey, you, you, you can't do that. Um, and you can see you see people get better in the pocket as they develop as quarterbacks in the NFL. That is a thing. So, you, and from that aspect, I think it's poor coaching. I also think it's a lack of a lack of confidence in the offensive line, right? I mean, how often is he is he running for his life? I mean, I feel like it's not as bad this year, but last year and or I guess maybe earlier this year, he definitely was mm -hmm. under pressure a lot. And we talked about last week how many sacks he he has against them. It's a pretty big number. So, yeah, I think that's part of it too. He just he sees any little sign of a rush and, and he thinks he needs to get out, which, which isn't the case. And again, that goes back to coaching. Somebody needs to coach him up and say, Hey, you need to trust your pocket, trust your line and, and step up here. And, and we actually saw him step up a couple of times, right? I think he stepped yeah. up a couple of times and, and made some plays. I, I can't think of what play it was, but I know he had one where he stepped up and like ran up to the line of scrimmage and threw it right before he crossed the line of scrimmage, I think for a, a long gain. And, and he had a couple throws on the run, but I think in the second half he rolled out less, which is why we were so, we're so successful. Yeah, it, and and I think that there's a direct correlation there. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I go back to honestly, dude. Last year, I think it was I think it was the Jets. I think it was Quinn and Williams when Kenny. Correct me if I'm wrong, but there was a play where Kenny stepped up yeah. into the pocket and took a huge hit, huge hit, and it was an awesome pass. I don't remember what the I think it was, was. the fire move. Yeah, I, I want and, to say he threw a touchdown, or maybe not. I mean, he threw it deep. I, it, it almost something like that. Line. Yeah, but an in incredible pass stepped right up, and it was awesome because he he jumped right up and he had a smile on his face after taking a huge, massive, massive hit. And I don't want that to happen all the time, right? I don't want Kenny to to step up and get get hit or get nailed. But I loved that sense of confidence that it felt like he had. And watching the fourth quarter. I kept saying, I was like, this is confident Kenny. Confident Kenny is good. Right. And and I want to see more of it. And I just wish there was there was something that, you know, he could see. Maybe maybe he will see it watching tape um or learn or or develop in that sense. But it's the happy feet and this the the scrambling and the rolling out that I think are uh 
you know, playing against him. And I think that there's a level of improvement that we need to see there. Yeah. I mean, you're, I mean, you're totally right. It, it is one of the biggest issues with the offense, but I'll just throw back at you that Jets game you're talking about, which you're exactly right. He did do that. That was his first appearance in the NFL in, in the regular season. So I feel like this, this whole rolling out and not stepping up and not trusting the pocket thing has become a bad habit. He's developed playing behind this offensive line and in this scheme. And so that's where I really hope that he can, he can break out of it. Like you said, like he did in the fourth quarter. I mean, in the final 20 minutes, he was nine of nine for 140 yards. I mean, the the kid is clutch and and he played really, really well. He outplayed Stafford. Stafford went over six with obviously zero yards completed in that same amount of time. He looked awesome in the second half. And I think it's something we really need to, we really need to, to continue developing and try to do, I don't know, maybe earlier in the game. It'd be better to, to you know, start strong in the first than to have to come back yeah. in the fourth. But I mean, I like what I see. I I liked what I saw out of Kenny in the second half. We we had like a hundred total yards of offense going into the fourth quarter, and I think it was a hundred. And it, like I had texted you, this is like a a middle of the pack defense that we're playing, and we ended up with three hundred total yards. So we had a really really strong fourth second half and fourth quarter. And uh, yeah, I think Kenny had a lot to do with that. You think this is Kenny's best game of the season? Uh, yeah, I think it, I'm trying to think. I think so. Yeah. The Vegas game would be the only other one, but again, that was so sporadic. I think this was the best half he's played. So yeah, I'd say it was his best game. Well, let's just hope we get, get to see more fourth quarter Kenny in, in the future. I just got to give a shout out here to this one, one tweet that I saw that was the funniest freaking thing ever. I I was, I was laughing so hard. Um, it's, it's, um, this clip, I guess it's kind of going viral and I, I feel like an idiot. I don't know actually what movie or show it's from, but it's these kids singing total eclipse of the heart by Bonnie Tyler. And it's like the, you know, when they're singing turn around every now and then I get it in it, whatever. Yeah. So there's all these kids sing it and they're, they're really, really bad. Like they're off pitch. They're, they're just like really terrible renditions of it. And they keep showing like this lady in the stands, whether it's someone's mom or a teacher or whatever. And, and they put captions on everything. So the first kid comes up and he's like, turn around really bad. And it's like Kenny in the first quarter. And then the next kid comes up and like, turn around, like even worse. And it's like Kenny in the second quarter. And then they show the mom and she's like rolling her eyes as a Steelers fan. And then this one kid steps up and he like takes the part when he just nails it when he's like, and I need you now tonight. It's like, and he just sings it perfectly. And it says Kenny in the fourth quarter and the mom starts smiling. And then there's this other girl that they pan to um, that's like rolling her eyes and her label is like the Kenny sucks propaganda. (laughs) Oh man. It's just such a great clip. See if we can share it on our Instagram. So funny. Yeah. Um, I got to give a shout out to that and to, to fourth quarter Kenny so yeah I mean do you think part of it is that in the fourth quarter they kind of open up the playbook because you know they need it, to. It, yeah right it, it's it, it's shit or get off the pot time for lack of a better way to say it right I mean at that point you're, you're playing for your for the game so you have to open it up and and I don't know it looked like the Najee touchdown again I don't know if it was an audible or a run check or or what it was but I mean it seems like Kenny's more active in the in the second half and fourth quarter at the line of scrimmage as well which to me means he has a little bit more free reign so I don't know what you think on that but I think maybe the the playbook opens up the training wheels get taken off I, I don't really know yeah, maybe it's just weird that it it happens in that instance. I mean, right. I guess I guess it has to, like we just said. But why why doesn't it start that way from the get go? And I guess, like we said, you kind of start off with your scripted plays. But um, it's it's a good point worth bringing up. I know we want to talk here probably about our our wide receivers and the game they had and and the role that Deontay Johnson played because I think that was huge. But while while we're here, let's let's just go no Canada segment. How how would you rate? the play calling here for, for this game against the Rams. One yes. to ten. See, it's tough because I don't want to give over a five, but I think he did a better job than the, the Vegas game. So, so for me, it's kind of a, a four or five. I think I'll give it a five. Um, I thought he actually called a pretty decent game. I, I think, like I said, a lot of those, those drives were self-inflicted wounds and, there was some good play design there, especially in the second half. There were guys running open. I mean, again, like you said, there was the play where all four receivers were stacked up on top of each other. So there's still not, mm-hmm. it's still not perfect. But I I do not put any of the blame on Sunday on, on Matt Canada. And we got to 20 points offensively. I know TJ Watt handed us seven. 
Um, and we got the 300 total yards as well. So I, I, I think Canada actually called a, one of his better games of the year. Yeah. I almost want to give him a six. Yeah. I think, I think just because I don't know, I, I kind of believe this was his best game. There are a couple plays that do stand out to me. The one, the one with design motion where we passed it to, to Connor Hayward, I think, yeah. um, within the red zone and he got down, I think almost to the five yard line or maybe the three, maybe that's when Najee punched it in. Yeah. I'm not entirely sure, but um, that was like a really, really good play. I mean, Jalen's run up the middle for his touchdown. I think that came at a good time. Granted, a probably really strong execution yeah. by by the Steelers there. But, you know, I do think there were some positive plays. And I think I'm going to go just a little higher than a five and give a six because I think this is the best that we've seen. Um, uh, in that same vein, I, I you know, a Matt Canada 10, I do not think is going to be an Eric B enemy 10 or some of these, you know, awesome That's offensive coordinator calls, um, in the, in the NFL, a Matt Canada 10 will probably get us, you know, 30 points and, uh, you know, maybe, 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 <laughs> maybe 400 yards. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I don't know his, it doesn't seem like, there's a a really high ceiling for this guy, but um, nonetheless, I'll I'll give it a six. I will say two um, more things to. I mean, we did outgain the the Rams 190 to 20 in the fourth quarter. I, we had almost 200 yards in the fourth quarter, so that's why, like I said, I think we only had 100 yards going into the fourth. I mean, if we can continue that fourth quarter offense, I, I think we'll we'll be in okay shape. The other thing is Pickens, and the, if this is a good segue into the receivers, Pickens had a back to back 100 yard games. I mean. We didn't stop feeding him the rock. We, we gave him the ball a lot against Baltimore through a lot of back shoulders. This was less back shoulders. He did have one or two, but um, he still had 12 targets. Eight, or I'm sorry, that's Puka Nakua. He had eight targets, five catches, and 107 yards. Mm -hmm. I mean, that, that's a good game out of George Pickens. And and a chunk play, too. A 31-yard pass. Right. Um, or 31-yard reception. Deontay Johnson with the huge chunk play, too. Um, you know, I, I remember we've looked at a number of these box scores and I feel like we're so used to looking at, at the long category and not seeing anything. Yeah. Right. We, we don't have, we, we haven't had chunk plays in a while. There haven't been a lot of games where we have multiple chunk plays. And I think the way, I don't know if it's an official NFL stat or if it's how Tomlin defines it or whatever, but I think generally we think of a chunk play being 20 yards or more. Yeah. Right. And, and it's, you know, we're not, we're not used to them. So to have a couple of them come through, um, in, in the receiving game was, was really awesome. Um, I think Deontay Johnson played a huge role in this game. We talked last episode about if you were a defense, what would you do? Who would you double cover? Would you double Pickens? Would you double Deontay Johnson? And I don't know what their defensive scheme was the entire time, but there were quite a few plays where they did double George Pickens. Yeah. And that is, is huge. That is huge. Cause Deontay Johnson, like we said, is really our one. He's really our number one wide receiver. Yeah. Um, so to have the two of them there to make plays, uh, was special. Yeah. I mean, and when George Pickens is not double covered, it does seem like Kenny has the green light or at least him and him and Pickens have a, have an understanding that if it's one-on-one, -on -one, he's going to George Pickens every single time. And it's, it's gotten to the point where that's our, that could be our best offense. And, and I think it's something we need to continue taking advantage of. It seems like they're, they're working more towards that. So, but as you said, if they, if they decide to take that away, we, we have Deontay Johnson running routes underneath or, or on the other side of the field, which I think could be really successful as well. Yeah. The one thing that's just absolutely crazy though, is, is from this whole offense, this is more than just the Rams game, but, a stat here from Alex Kazora that I think is mind blowing. We're four and two, right? Yeah. We won four games. Um, but in, in the six games we played, our opponents had more plays from scrimmage, more yards and more first downs than us in all six of those games. So we're winning these games with less first downs, less yards, less plates. Um, you know, our turnover ratio is plus six. Yep. So, that's a huge reason when we're able to force turnovers and also hold on to the ball a little bit better. Um, that's definitely going to play a role here for why those things are, are foot flopped. But I, I just think it's a, a mind blowing stat. Like how do we keep winning when we're doing that? It's, it's the Tomlin way, man. It's the Tomlin way. Yeah. And, and it always, it comes down onto the shoulders of the quarterback and, 
I mean, you asked me earlier if I thought this was his best game of the year. I, I guess I should have answered more emphatically. Yeah, it had to be. I mean, he has six game-winning drives, Kenny Pickett does, in his first 18, 18 career starts that matches Ben Roethlisberger uh, in his 14, first 18 career starts. And we saw how good, how, about how good Ben was. So Kenny's clutch as ever, and, and at least that's something we can count on. Yeah, and that puts Kenny 10th in Steelers quarterback history for game-winning drives with sixth. Um, goes to show you that there aren't very many longtime Steelers quarterbacks, but no. um, with a couple more, um, honestly, with four more, he jumps into the top five, which would put him behind Ben, Terry Bradshaw, Neil O'Donnell, and Cordell Stewart. So um, He's on his way. He has that clutch gene in him. He, he does. We talked about that. Kenny has a clutch factor. There, there's something special about the kid. That I I think he has he has the factor in him. It's it's just letting that come out and and being in an environment where we can let him shine. Yeah, and we've seen it. Yeah, we've seen it. So, anything else you want to comment here on the offense? Because I know there's quite a few things we can talk about for the defense. No, I think that's good. I hope to see continued growth out of that side of the ball. Oh, I'll say I'll say one last thing that I thought this was pretty cool. I I just think it's worth pointing out again, not specifically for the Rams game, but there is a tie here, right? Because um, you think of big names on the Rams defense, you think of Aaron Donald, right? Yeah. You look at who the Steelers have played so far this year. The 49ers, we played Nick Bosa. We played Miles Garrett on the Browns. We played Max Crosby on the Raiders and now Aaron Donald, who are probably those four individuals. I don't know if you'd say they're all in the top five, but they're definitely all in the top 10 um, in terms of, of defensive linemen in the NFL. And those four guys in, in those games, six quarterback hits and one sack. So we're doing something right where, you know, we're, we're scheming against up against these guys properly from an offensive perspective. I mean, you know, miles Garrett went off this week, multiple sacks hits, Force fumble. I don't even know the 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 guy. We we always have the conversation of Miles Garrett versus T.J. Watt. We think T.J. Watt is better and always plays better when we play the Browns. But Miles Garrett's a really darn good player, and and we always scheme up well against him. And and we did the same thing against Nick Bosa, Max Crosby, and then this past week with Aaron Donald. So I think there is something to be said there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, and I guess we have to mention that that. Broderick Jones did not play at all in this game. Dan Moore Jr. did start. And and to be quite honest, Dan Moore actually looked pretty good. So I don't know if it's getting to the point where Dan Moore is about to take over that right tackle for Chuk Sikorafor and and Broderick Jones will be the left tackle. I don't I don't really know what's gonna you happen. You know my theory? But what's your my theory? theory? I think we're gonna trade Dan Moore. Really? And I think we had him build himself up this past game and we're going to trade him and that's going to set right up for Broderick Jones to step right into that starting role. We know he's capable of it and maybe we get a good haul for Dan Moore. Huh? That's an interesting thought. I, I guess we'll have to see what uh, Omar Khan's does, but that's a, I didn't even think about that, but that would open up a, a position i'd rather them trade chooks but i don't think that's gonna happen so so we got it we got about a week right we got about a week left and and just while we're here before we do talk defense since i brought it up um it'll be interesting to see if the steelers do make a splash here at the trade deadline yeah there's a lot of rumors floating around that we might make a move at the corner position to solidify some more depth there to be honest with you, I, I could see the possibility to make a move at the tight end position, given Fryermuth just moved to IR. Um, Zach Ertz is a name out there that I think is looking to be moved. I don't know if he fits our scheme or if we move him in. I think he just even, went on IR too, though. Oh, he did? Yeah. Okay. Well, and I even saw Mike Kosicki's name floating out there. Again, I don't know if the Steelers would target either of these guys per se. Um, I know we did just bring in um, a tight end here for a workout this week to see if if we would bring someone in in terms of uh, maybe signing a free agent. But I, I would not be surprised if there's a move either there or or maybe even at the corner position. Um and to be honest with you, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Dan Moore is involved in a trade. Yeah, I I would really like them to I'd like to see them get Darnell Washington more involved. 
um, yeah. in the passing game as opposed to to getting a, a tight end. But, I mean, I get what you're saying. Tight, tight end is definitely a, an interesting position on our team. I mean, we did have our third tight end, Rodney Williams, played 11 or 19% of a, of the offensive snaps. So they, they do use three tight ends and want to use three tight ends. So maybe they do go get somebody. I would prefer them focus on corner and maybe even an upgraded center. Although Mason Cole did have a really good game this week. So yeah, I guess we'll have to see what they do there. Yeah. And we haven't been using Connor Hayward as a traditional tight end. He's, right. he's either been in kind of a fullback role or honestly, he, he just lines up as a wide receiver um, in, in maybe four, four. Yeah, wide I mean, receivers. he has the third most catches, third most targets on the team. So, yeah. So I, Kenny has chemistry with Connor Hayward, which is, is crazy to me. I, I think on the surface, you or maybe on paper, you look at a guy like Connor Hayward and don't necessarily think that he's going to be a star. But Kenny has chemistry with him, and, and that's something that, that we could see continue to develop and grow. Um, I mean, it's interesting. We, we talk about some of the special playmakers. I know we said we're going to defense. We, we'd never get there. But um, some, some of the playmakers that we keep talking about or we have talked about throughout the season, like Calvin Austin didn't show up at all on the stat sheet this week. I think he had a rush. Yeah. Um, but you know, there there's sprinkles, you know, Alan Robinson had, had a, a seven yard catch, um, but not really much noise from him. You mentioned Darnell Washington, not involved in the catching game. Um, so there there's all that to say. I think there's a lot more that, that we can do. We have really good skill players. We're just, we're just not really using them. Yeah, I, I I couldn't agree more, and I think that as we develop as an offense, we might we might start getting more and more and more guys involved. At least that's my hope. Sure. All right. So let's move away. We'll see what happens with trade de- trade deadline. Let's just jump jump to the defense and and kind of start to cover that. Um, what what's your main headline here? I I, I really quickly just want to call out the defensive rookies because I think these guys in particular, had a, an incredible game. Keanu Benton, Joey Porter, and, and Nick Herbig. All three of them, to me, stepped up. Joey Porter locked down in coverage. Keanu Benton really made a splash when, when he played at the line. Herbig came up huge with a sack and a tackle for loss. I think our rookie defensive class, kudos. These, these, these three guys had an amazing, amazing game, and, and it was awesome to see that rookie class shine. Yeah, seeing Nick Herbert get that sack was really, really cool. Um, first sack in the NFL uh, was came in a really big time, so that that was cool. My my one concern is is Keanu Benton, and I'm trying to pull it up. He played his his least number of snaps this year uh, on the defensive side of the ball, which is kind of he only played 19 snaps or or 28. Um, percent That's a little concerning to me. I, I don't know what the reasoning is. I don't know if it's performance. I don't know if it's just the rotation. I, I don't know what it is, but. I feel like this was his time to shine and really break out with with Cam Hayward bat, or out, and uh, I was just hoping to see him play a little bit more. Like you said, he played really well, so that's probably yeah. Why I mean, I'm two two QB it. hits. Um, he he had a good game. He, I feel like you felt his presence in there, but that's definitely a good point. I mean, and maybe um, maybe that's less of a knock on him, and it's more of a a positive for a guy like Montrevis Adams who who had played sixty eight percent of the snaps, who played really well, or to Marvin Liao, who played thirty four percent of the snaps. I mean, he's still Keanu Ben still playing more than Armin Watts and, and some of these other guys. So uh, maybe it's less of a knock on on Benton and more of a a positive for the other guys. Sure, and, and I think Larry there is so much. Another one. Yeah, and I think there's so much that the Steelers at least try and do scheming from a defensive perspective. If you notice, I believe TJ lined up on on the other side um, this week, and that was something different that never really happens. So. There, there's an element of of trying to come in and make adjustments based on the team that you're going to play. So, yeah, who knows? I don't think we should necessarily read in too much to some of the things like that, but I do think that's that's a worthwhile point. Um, other thing that I wanted to bring up, I mean, Minka, leading tackler for the team, yeah. he's still involved in some of these tackles that that he probably shouldn't be. Um, Joey Porter locked down in coverage, but he is missing a number of tackles. Yeah, he's having trouble um, tackling for sure is not not really a strong tackler um but the herbig sack like you said and the tj watt interception i think were were both really big defensive plays um you know puka nakua is a a a wide receiver that i think is going to make a name for himself um in in the nfl in this league and and he quite frankly went off and had a really good game for himself um but you look at what we did to kind of match Cooper cup, two catches, 29 yards, and that's it. And Cooper cup, 
is, is also one of the better wide receivers in the NFL. So um, we were able to kind of mask him. And I think that's, that's a point that's worth bringing up. Yeah. A few things to touch on that you mentioned. I mean, Cooper cup in his career, I think he has two games against us. He's 11 targets for two catches and 29 yards. And, and those were both in this game. So we, we found a way to shut him down both times we played them. We played them a few years ago and then this year. So yeah, Puka, Puka Nakua kind of had a, had a day against us, but Obviously, our, our emphasis was put on on Cooper Cup. Uh, the Joey Porter Jr. tackling thing, I mean, I just want to just think about it. Who, who's he learning from? He's, he's learning from Patrick Peterson and Levi Wallace, who are two of the worst cornerback tacklers in the NFL right now this year. So I don't know if that's part of it. I don't know if it's the coaching. I don't know. But hopefully that gets cleaned up. I thought Patrick Peterson did tackle better on Sunday than he had in the past. Um the other thing with with Joey Porter Jr. is he actually ended up playing more than Levi Wallace this week. Um, I think he had yeah. 53 defensive snaps and Levi Wallace only had 49. Right. Um, so although Joey Porter Jr., they listed him, the Fox broadcast said he was a starter. Um, he was not out there in, in two cornerback sets, at least early in the game. But the fact he's playing more than Levi Wallace is definitely a, a positive sign. Yeah, I, I mean, the tackling is an issue. I thought you were going to say he's learning from his dad. That's probably where he should have learned from yeah, rather than, yeah. than these two guys. But, um, you know, from from a stat book perspective, um, he didn't get a reception counted against him. So he's now, you know, one one catch on 10 targets this season, two passes defended and and that big interception against the Ravens. So, yeah, um, his coverage is truly locked down. It's it's just a matter of of forming up those tackles. I don't know. Maybe Mike Tomlin needs to hold another padded practice. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, it worked the last time, I guess. Right. I, I do want to say, I think my biggest takeaway, though, defensively, I mean, yeah, the, the secondary had some issues again uh, it seems to be a common theme I, I think it's it's your first point though Micah Fitzpatrick that guy is all over the field uh, I mean 11 tackles to lead the team as as your starting safety um making plays did he have any other he had 11 tackles no other you know crazy stats out of that but if you go to Twitter or look online for Brian Baldinger uh, at Baldy NFL on Twitter he works for the NFL Network Fox he likes to do a lot of breakdowns of Steelers and um, one of the things he broke down was some of the plays that Minka Fitzpatrick Blitt made. And a lot of them were instinct plays. Like he's, mm. he's supposed to cover Puka Nakua or cover somebody. And, and he noted he, he expects a run and he actually gets down the line of scrimmage and makes a play. There was a lot of those this week. And I, I think I complained earlier this year about, about him not playing as much deep safety, free safety type stuff. I think this might be his better position. I mean, he is all over the field. He's ball hawking. That interception that he almost had that he probably should have had on the sideline when Stafford kind of threw it up. Um, yeah. That was all Minka. Minka disguised it where he knew what the what kind of play was being run, and he actually shaded towards Cooper Cup as opposed to covering Puka Nakua. And so when Stafford, was, when, when Stafford got pressured, Cooper went the wrong way, and, and it was just Minka there. And, and that was all just an instinct play by Mika Fitzpatrick. So I want to give him a huge credit. I know TJ Watt, Alex Highsmith tend to be the guys we give the most credit to on defense, but I think Minka's really, I mean, he's our leading tackler, I believe on the year. So I, Minka, Minka has really shined this year and I, I hope to see him continue to, to, to move forward like that. Yeah. He has 52 tackles, 10 more than Cole Holcomb, who's in second place on the team. Minka's a dog. He's a ball player. Yeah. Um, Good, good shout out. I, I think I'm going to take that shout out and I'm going to transition into the balls of steel. Is that okay? Yeah, let's do it. You said this guy's name. This is a guy that we don't talk about a lot, but this week's ball of steel balls of steel for me, it's going to go to number 57 Montrevis Adams. Yeah. I'll tell you what, man, watching this game Every time I saw number 57 in there, it worked. It looked like he was just fighting, working his ass off. His stat line, nothing special. Four total tackles, three solo, one tackle for loss. But man, it just looked like he was giving 150% out there. And that's what I like to see from the Steelers. That's what I love to see from guys like Montrevis Adams that aren't necessarily household names and are stepping up big when you have guys like Cam Hayward that are out. So Montrevis Adams is getting my balls of steel. I, I think he he had an awesome, awesome game. And uh, I love that dude. I have, I have a new appreciation for him. Yeah. 
No, that's a good one. And defensive linemen are tough because their stats don't always show up. But I think disruption's the correct word for Montrevis Adam. He, he was all over the, the he was all over the place uh, at the line of scrimmage and really blew a lot of plays up. So that's good. I like to give the big boys a a shout out every so often. Totally. I'm gonna go with a more, you know, ordinary uh, balls of steel. I'm gonna give mine to Deontay Johnson. Um, I know Ooh. I know he had the boneheaded penalty at the end of the game that almost cost us, but. And, and again, it's a, it's kind of a pedestrian stat line. Six targets, five catches, 79 yards with a 39-yard long. But that 39-yard pass catch, which, again, was a great throw by Kenny Pickett, but was a really good catch and run by Deontay Johnson that set up one of our touchdowns. I, I thought I thought, I thought, thought Deontay Johnson played really, really well. Um, and I think he added a whole other dynamic to the offense that we had been missing. We had said that last week that when he was coming back that he would do that, but... I really think he he proved that he played really really well and, and opened up George Pickens and and some other things in the offense. So Deontay Johnson, we're usually pretty down on you. It was all positives out of you, I, maybe except for that penalty, but all positives out of you this all this right. week. All right, fair enough. And and I'm gonna give an honorable mention to the Giant Eagle that uh, I don't know if you saw this picture, but Giant Eagle was was selling cookie cakes that said Fire Canada in in black and yellow <laughs> icing. I did I did not, but that's pretty funny. So so yeah, honorable mention to to Giant Eagle. I'd I'd like to think that it's the uh the good old Glenshaw Giant Eagle, but but not sure if that's the one. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, you kind of set me up for it, and and I gotta go here. I gotta go here with my jag off. Uh, I, I'm gonna give it to the Steelers wide receivers, specifically Deontay Johnson to contrast you and George Pickens, for the reasons, for the reason of of these two taunting penalties. Um. That really just grinds my gears those penalties did not cost us the game they were close but they could have they could have had a a pretty significant impact and and to me this is how bad it was so one minute left in the game after i think it was was dj's my dad called me my dad well a minute left in the game i'm watching the game shout out dad he goes and I, i just think it's funny but and dad, if you're listening, don't take offense, but you know, I th- the, the old school fans, I guess is maybe a good way to say it. I think they hate, they, they loathe the excessive celebrations, the end zone dances, the, the stick your arm out for the first down extensions. Um, w- when you make a big sack and you like shake your head and stomp around or roar like a lion or whatever, <laughs> after you tackle someone for a loss or sack, they hate it. They hate it. And, and I think now it's kind of just part of the game, right? I honestly, yeah. I feel like you and I kind of grew up with it. I don't love it. I, I do think it's a little cocky, but I like seeing the emotion from the players. I like watching those touchdown dances or when the defense all runs down and celebrates a pick anyways, my dad called me with a minute left after the taunting play. And he's like, he's like, you got to put the ball down. He's like, put the ball down. You get back to the huddle and you play the damn game and you win the game. And and yeah. he's a million, a million percent right. He's like, right. this is exactly what should happen. Like, we don't want this Clay, Chase Claypool hothead drama all over again. Like you, especially, especially in times like that, it's like you put the ball down, you hand it back to the ref, you get in the huddle and and you go and you close out the game. Like don't get in front of a freaking receiver and put your finger up to your mouth to quiet them. Like that, that to me, maybe I am my father's son in that sense, but it, 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 it quite frankly pissed me off. So I, I really got fired up by those two things. We know George Pickens is a hothead and I don't like that out of him. So um, to get that from both him and Deontay Johnson, in the same game um, that grinded my gears a little bit. So they, while Deontay Johnson is getting a balls of steel from you, he's getting a jag off of the week from me. No, that's fair. Uh, you got to have better composure. I Yeah. You got to have better composure, and that almost that almost killed our chances to win. I will say I'm very I don't get how a, a pass interference during the play can be offset by a, a after the not play, supposed a, to. A dead I think that's penalty. an error. Yep. Yeah, like I mean, everybody's complaining that the Steelers got some calls. I think there was a lot of missed calls that that actually hurt the Steelers. So that that's a whole other topic that could have been my jag off maybe the ref the referees but they kind of helped us at the end there i, I thought the about, referees get it every week we just don't mention it right that that's a good well, point. sometimes sometimes yeah, we that's, mention that's it. too easy of one and and like tj watt gets held every single play yeah oh it was bad this week yeah so i mean it's the same thing i was gonna do my jag off as, as quarters one through three and take a bail out there um <laughs> but 
I'm actually going to give it to. I'm going to give it to the broadcasting team uh, or, or networks. This time it was Fox. Last couple of weeks it's been CBS. This is turning into the Steelers version of the Taylor Swift watch party. Matt Canada. The amount of times they show Matt Canada is unbelievable. You and I had our had a had a bet on it. You know, a friendly wager on it during the game of an over under six times they would show him, and early on it seemed like wow, six times is going to be a lot and way too big of a line. It ended up being, I think, nine times they showed Matt yeah. Canada. And I know a lot of it was because we were scoring at the end of the game. But we don't need to see that guy nine times throughout the game. I don't care if we love him or hate him. Nobody needs to show the, the offensive coordinator nine times throughout the game. <laughs> this, is, this is good, man. It is. It's so true. And his, it and is, his it is the Taylor Swift show with Matt Canada. It literally is. I, I want to see, actually. I wish somebody would do a counter because... I probably won't do a counter of how many times Taylor Swift shown through the Chiefs game and then how many times Matt Canada shown during the Steelers game because it's got to be neck and neck. I know they show Taylor a lot, but it's got to be neck and neck. And this guy's not a celebrity. This guy's not a multi-millionaire superstar. Well, maybe he's a millionaire, but I, stop showing this guy so much. It, he look <laughs> he looks bad. He has bad reactions, and when he shows his reactions, they get they move on. So that that's my jag off. Stop showing Matt Canada. It's that camera angle, man. It's that camera angle that just comes in and shows him in the box. Yeah. And I mean, I, uh, I will say I, 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 an honorary balls of steel goes to all the the memes online of the, the different, uh, you know, moods of Matt Canada from all the different pictures sure. we've gotten. Those are those yeah. are funny, but stop showing them throughout the game. A good one from Ben Stonium. Yeah. yeah. So uh, that's funny. It it really is. It it's it's. Taylor Swift and and Matt Canada. I mean, imagine if the Chiefs played the Steelers, what we would get out of that. Holy shit. I don't think we'd see football. <laughs> we wouldn't see football. <laughs> I don't think we would. Oh, fair enough. All right. I, I think that ties a bow on everything. Is there anything else you wanted to cover before we preview the Jags game real quick? No, I'm I'm good. All right. So let's let's keep it short and sweet here. So uh, you know, I'll I'll be honest with you. I think this is a game that I personally circled on my calendar. I think this is a game that a lot of Steelers fans probably circled on the calendar at the beginning of the season, thinking for what this could be. I mean, four and two Pittsburgh Steelers at home against the five and two Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean, the Jags are, I, I think they're a good team. They were the clear favorite to win the AFC South at the start of the season. I think it's pretty clear that that's likely to happen now. Um, they're coming off four wins in a row. They're hot. They have a lot of offensive firepower. Trevor Lawrence is a really, really talented quarterback. They have a lot of good skill players in Travis Etienne, um, Evan Ingram, um, who else? Christian Kirk and Calvin Ridley. Calvin Ridley. A, a, a lot of stars on their team. So it's going to take a lot from the Steelers to to beat this team. So how do you, how do you feel? I feel good. I think it's going to be a really good test. You know, the, I mean, we played the Ravens, who were really good, but that's a divisional foe, so that's a little different. This is the Jaguars. They're five and two, one of the top teams in the AFC. Like you said, they're the likely division winner, and I, I think we'll we'll see. They're three and zero on the road. Um, and they're coming into into Pittsburgh, so we'll see if we can we can change that record. I think it's going to be a big test on both sides of the ball. If I just get into some t statistics here, the Jags are ninth in the league in points scored, so it'll be a tough mm -hmm. test for the defense. They're 14th in passing yards per game and 13th in rushing yards per game. So middle of the pack in both of those stats, but definitely a good offense, and I think they're only getting better. Um, on the defensive side of the ball, they're 16th in points allowed, giving up 21 points a game. This is where it gets interesting. They're 31st against the pass. They're actually worse than the Steelers against the pass. They're giving up 273 yards a game. So I, I don't know if that means a big day from Kenny Pickett because they're fourth against the run. They're only giving up 80 yards a game. So hmm. that could be because team, they're getting up on teams and teams are have to get rid of the run and, and rely on the pass. I don't know if that's uh, some skewed numbers, but we'll see if we can imply our, our will against or I don't think I said that right, but we'll see if we can we can actually get our identity going against a pretty good rush defense. Yeah, and and I don't have the exact stats up here. Maybe maybe you do, but I feel like we're probably averaging about eighty rushing yards a game and probably two hundred thirty passing yards a game. So pretty close. Um, we're averaging eighty one rushing yards a game for twenty eighth in the league and one hundred and ninety two passing yards for like, per game, twenty fifth in the league. It's pretty good for me, not gonna lie. I mean, yeah, you were right on with the eighty rush yards, but um, it, it 
it feels like this could be a game where where Kenny steps up at home, but you you never know what's going to happen with this team. We could see this abysmal offense continue to show, and maybe we get a fourth quarter comeback, or maybe we get a couple points early on in the first half. Um, I I really don't know what to expect from this game. I have bad memories from from Jacksonville coming into Pittsburgh yeah. and and Blake Bortles handling us pretty well. So um, I, I really don't know what to expect. I know this is a good Jacksonville team. I'm looking at the, the games they played here earlier in the season. And there were a couple games where they only scored six points and they only scored seven points, but there's other games where, where they're pretty high scoring up in the twenties. So I, I feel like we're going to have to put up some points on offense to, to get the job done here. And, and I hate that we have to say that we shouldn't have to say that that should be a very, you know, matter of fact point. That's just understood. We need to score points offensively to win games, yeah. but um, you play, I, I don't know if uh, juggernauts the right word for the Jaguars, but you play a strong offensive team. You're going to have to put up points against these guys. So um, I'm looking forward to what we see. I, I don't necessarily know if I feel as optimistic as you do. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if the Steelers don't win this game. I also wouldn't necessarily be as mad if we don't win this game. Um, if we keep it close, because I do think the Jaguars are a good team. But um, I don't know. What, what are you thinking in terms of a, a score prediction or an outlook here? Yeah, it's an interesting one. Uh, the, the Jaguars are coming off a Thursday night game. Uh, so they get the mini buy. But then next week they have their real buy. So a little bit of extra time before the game, but also maybe looking forward to that week off after the game. Um, they are coming off a Thursday night win where they just gave up 24 points to a pretty bad or at least mediocre New Orleans Saints offense. So for that reason, I do feel confident. I think the offense can get some going. I know I don't, I think every week I pick us to win. Um, I'm going to continue that trend. I think we can win. And I think we win by, you know, another close game. I'm thinking 27, 24, but here's the big prediction. I'm thinking we get a third straight, hundred yard game out of George Pickens and Deontay Johnson finds the end zone for the first time in a year and a half. I think I said Deontay Johnson last week and he was, he did. and he was close. Let's see if he can actually punch it out. Maybe I'll say that every week until he does it. I think you're going to say it every week. I feel good about it. He, he he shined. He did well, and he almost scored last week. So, so we'll see. You did call the Jalen Warren touchdown. I called Jalen Warren. I was one for two. So we'll see. That was pretty Pickens good. 100 yards. Deontay Johnson touchdown. Steelers win 27-24. I, I like it. Let's roll with it. Here's what I'm going to end with. I'm looking at a graphic here that the NFL posted. Granted, Whenever you look at stats that are through week seven or, or playoff positions, things are a little bit wonky because you have some teams on buys and 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 whatnot. Um, however, what I am looking at right now is the playoff picture through week seven that pins currently the Steelers as the five seed against the Jacksonville Jaguars as the fourth seed. So this game is definitely one that could have playoff implications if we continue our path forward. Um, we'll see what happens. I'm really excited and um yeah, I hope we get the job done. Yeah, if we make it to the playoffs, this game is very important. So, yeah, let's see how it goes. I'm, I'm excited to see. Awesome. Well, we thank you all for listening as always. We'll be with you guys after the Jaguars game. Uh, thanks again for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, everyone. Peace. 